You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Amen. Amen. Let's stay standing and continue to worship the Lord as we pray together. Lord, we give you all glory this morning. Lord, you are worthy of all of our praise, worthy of all of our adoration. Lord, alone to you do we sing. Lord, you are worthy, worthy, worthy. Lord, we proclaim that you are awesome, Lord. And even that word, which is one of the greatest words to describe the awe that we should all feel, Lord, fails to describe all that you are. And so, Lord, we we give you our praise this morning. Lord, we pray that you would lead us in this place. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts right now to receive your word. Oh, Lord, would you lead us at the beginning of this new year, Lord? Lead us into new seasons of fruitfulness, Lord, for your glory. Lord, lead us into new seasons of joy and delight and peace in your presence. Lord, lead us this morning as we open up your word and as we hear from you, Lord. Speak to us and lead us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat this morning. Well, Happy New Year, church. It's a joy to be able to open God's word with you this morning together. Uh, This morning we're going to be in Psalm 1. Psalm 1. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, go ahead and open it up to Psalm 1 right now. If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and put your hand up. We've got our ushers coming down and uh, we would love to get a copy of God's word in your hand. And listen, that can be a late Christmas present from us to you. You can take that home with you and be in God's word every single day. And and we are really praying this morning that the Lord would impact us here as we open his word to show us the value of his word and seeking his face. This morning as you're opening to Psalm 1, it's a really good time for all of us to reflect on the last year, on 2017. And uh, I don't know whether 2017 was a great year for you or maybe not. Um, In either case, it's a really good time for us to reflect on the whole year. And to look back and to think, okay, where was my heart and my life really going in 2017? And this is a great time for us to all kind of do a little bit of a check and a little bit of a reset maybe on the trajectory of our life and better yet, invite the Lord to do that in us. And so take a second right now, consider 2017 and think about the year that we just had, the year that you just had. Think about the way that your life was going, which direction you were heading Robert Frost, and some of you might remember this from when you were in school, Robert Frost wrote a poem called The Road Not Taken. And I think that this poem actually sets up well Psalm 1 for us as we get ready to head into it. Robert Frost wrote this, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, and looked down as far as I could to where it bent into undergrowth. The poem goes on, and at the end, he concludes with this, saying, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Think about it this year. As we start into a new year, each one of us is at the fork of two roads. And whether we're here and we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or whether we don't, we stand at an intersection with two options, And as we dive into Psalm 1 this morning, that's exactly what we are going to see. We are going to see a picture, a portrait for us of two paths leading in polar opposite directions, one path leading to God's abundant blessing and one leading to futility and destruction. 
Psalm 1 is really, in a lot of ways, it's a summary of all of the book of Psalms. As we get into Psalm 1, it's almost like the preface to the Psalms. And it lays out in short form everything that is really going to be said in the entire book of Psalms. And really isn't that the picture that we're given all through the book of Psalms is the picture of two roads. The road of wisdom, the road that leads into God's presence, the, lead, the road that is full of joy and rejoicing in him, and the road of foolishness that leads ultimately to destruction. I don't think this is anything new that I'm saying this morning. Uh, we know that Jesus talked about two roads, didn't he? What did Jesus say about two roads in Matthew chapter 7? He talked about two paths, two roads, two gates, if you will. And he said there are two, there is the narrow gate and there is the wide way. The narrow gate leads to what? The narrow gate leads to? Salvation salvation and life. And the wide, the wide road, what does that lead to? Destruction. Destruction. And that's exactly what's before us this morning is the picture of two roads and each one of us, no matter where we're coming from, no matter what 2017 looked like, no matter what the first days of 2018 have looked like, we stand at an intersection right now between two roads. Which one will we travel? I pray for each one of us that we will take the road that is less traveled because I believe firmly that through God's grace, that is the road that makes all the difference in our lives. And so as we head into Psalm 1, as we start in Psalm 1, keep that thought in your mind. If you long for a deeper relationship with the Lord, if you long for a closer, more intimate walk with him, if, you know, as you come into church, if you meet with other believers and, and you notice that they just, they seem to have something that seems to be missing a little bit in your life, keep that thought in mind. Which road, which road will you travel this morning? Which road will you travel this year? Psalm 1, this morning, we're going we're gonna to get into it here. I, w- I would like to read the whole psalm through for us. And then really, we have four points from Psalm 1 this morning, four things that we need to see from this text. And I'm really praying that the Lord is going to make each one of them clear to us. Let's read it all the way through together, please. Don't just listen, but also look down at the copy of God's word that you have. See for yourself the words that are written here in the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 starts out this way, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This morning, here's the first thing that we need to see as we come to Psalm 1. First thing, it's right there in verse one. If we wanna walk in God's abundant blessing, it requires that I walk away from all wickedness. If we wanna walk in God's abundant blessing, it requires that we walk away from all wickedness. And so as we look at Psalm one this morning, what we're really looking at is we're really looking at some big steps that lead to God's abundant blessing. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean steps that lead to God's abundant blessing? Well, that's exactly what it is. You break this psalm down into four parts, it's talking about four steps that lead to blessing. Listen, do we believe that, church? Do we believe that there are things that our God has promised to bless? 
Yeah, of course we must believe that. We must believe it because it's written in God's word. We are told in in several different places that God blesses righteousness. Now we can't obtain righteousness in and of ourselves, can we? Okay, that's a good spot for a loud no, okay? So let's try that again, okay? Just make sure we're all on the same page. Now we can't obtain righteousness in and of ourselves, can we? No, No. only Jesus Christ can do that. He He is the one who obtained our righteousness. He is the one who leads us in righteousness. But now listen, there are things that as we walk with him that God promises to bless. Now let's think about a few things. What are a few things that God promises to bless? Well, God promises to bless a person who is genuinely humble and contrite before him, right? The person that is genuinely humble before God, that exalts God and delights in God, God promises to bless that attitude of lowness before him. God promises to bless what else? Love, somebody who loves God first and then loves others. That is something that God blesses. Well, right here in this passage, we see something very amazing at the beginning of verse one. We read this word, the first word in the book of Psalms. This is significant. First word in the entire book of Psalms. Blessed is the man, the person. That's a, the man, man there is a general word for person, okay? But blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Do you see that? God promises to bless the person who does not walk in the wisdom of this world. So think about that for a second. Consider that for a second. Walking in God's abundant blessing requires that I walk away from wickedness. It requires that I walk away from wickedness, and then we're gonna get to something else here in a minute in verse two. It's not that we just abstain from evil. There's a whole lot more. We'll see that in verse two. But notice three things from this verse, first of all. First of all, the person that does not walk in the way of the wicked is blessed. I hope we see that. That's a great word to circle in your Bibles. Blessed. That word blessed really means, it really means to be blessed by the Lord. It means to be supremely happy. Yes, I said happy, joyful, okay, Um, or fulfilled. That's actually a plural word in the Hebrew. And uh, if, if we were to take it literally, it would be blessedness is, which That does not make any sense to any of us, okay? But it's like multiple blessings. It's blessings upon blessings. And God promises to bless the person who does not walk in the wisdom of the wicked. The person that does not walk in the counsel of people who hate God and disdain God. Three things that we see in this verse. Three things right here. First of all, don't walk in the wisdom of the wicked. Don't walk in the wisdom of the wicked. If you want God's blessing to be upon your life, if you want to walk in the fullness of joy, and if you want to experience the peace of a fulfilled relationship with the Lord, do not walk in the wisdom of the wicked. Wow, that is hard. Anyone want to agree with me that that is hard today? That is hard today, okay? Turn on the TV. Just Every commercial that you see is urging you in some way to buy into something else other than the Lord, okay? Every conversation that you see pop up on the news, that you see pop up on social media, generally involves worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom for the most part, okay? Unless you have you know, a lot of Christian friends around you or get a lot of Christian news feeds, okay? But, but worldly wisdom is all around us. Listen, today we are just bombarded 
by voices of worldly counsel, aren't we? We see it all over the place. We see it on TV, social media, movies, celebrities. Listen, since when did a celebrity become a good choice to teach us about politics? That's, that's mind-boggling, isn't it? Like, honestly, who cares what, you know, Joe, who is in a movie, thinks about somebody who's in politics? But, but they've got to get their two cents in there, that's for sure. And listen, all of these voices that we hear, they all say to us, throw off the old restraints. Throw off the old restraints of purity, of, of faithfulness. Uh, throw off the old restraints, and then you can be free. But listen, it's a lie, isn't it? It's worldly counsel. It's the counsel of wickedness. The lie is throw off all of the restraints of God's love and what God has promised is actually good, and then you can be just as enslaved as we are, right? That's actually the truth that's at the core of the lie. But listen, it's all around us. We are bombarded with worldly, wicked counsel today. It's all around us. Students, students, listen up. Friends at school, are you bombarded with worldly, wicked counsel. Listen, students, this verse is telling you to choose wisely the friends that you have. Choose very carefully who you commit yourself to, who you walk with. This verse from the Lord is saying, blessed is the man, is the student even, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That person's gonna get a blessing. That's the first thing. Now notice the second thing. Nor stand in the way of sinners. You're like, that's saying exactly the same thing. Not exactly. Okay, listen, there's a progression here in this verse. Okay, think about this. Walking, you're kind of going along with things, right? You're just kind of going along. You're not like right in the middle of it. You're just kind of going along with it a little bit. Okay, look at the progression right here. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Okay, so you're walking along. And you're like, I'm not sure about that. Oh, hey, that's all right. I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to jump in with these people. I am going to start to agree with them. Now notice the next thing right down below that. Nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. Walking, standing, sitting. See the progression? You're walking along in the counsel of the wicked. Then you are standing with the sinner. You're beginning to agree. Then you're sitting in the seat of the scoffer. You have become the scoffer. We could say it this way. We could say it this way. If you choose, if I choose to walk with the wicked or stand with sinners, I will get stuck in the seat of the scoffer. That's what God's word is saying to us right here in verse one. If we choose, if we choose to walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand with sinners, we will get stuck in the seat of the scoffer. Now hold on, let me just qualify for a second here. Are, are we, am I saying this morning that we should not have any non-Christian friends, that we should not um, seek to share the gospel, that we should just only surround ourselves with Christians? No, I'm not saying that at all. To say that would to, den to deny that we should be reaching out. We should be a people that are reaching out with the gospel. But as we are reaching out, guard yourself. Guard yourself. Watch your way. Watch out for the worldly counsel that so easily creeps in. Here's a good little test right here. If you want to test whether you're listening to worldly counsel, think about this. When you need advice, when you need wisdom, where do you go first? Where do you go? Well, hopefully, hopefully you and I first run to the Lord. Okay, hopefully that's our first place of refuge that we run to the Lord to get his wisdom, to get his counsel. We go to his word. 
Okay, but when you are gonna ask someone for advice on a particular situation, who do you turn to? Do you turn to a mature believer that you know that you can trust even when they're gonna say the hard thing that you don't wanna hear? Or do you turn to the person who's not mature and strong in the Lord and the person that is gonna tell you what you wanna hear? That's a good test. Are you gonna turn to the person that's gonna give you worldly counsel, that is gonna counsel your flesh, make you feel better in the moment, but is ultimately gonna lead you further down the path that leads away from the Lord? That's a a good question for each one of us to think of this morning. But this, this psalm, this psalm, verse one, promises a blessing to those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or those who join in with sinners or sit in the seat of the scoffer. Matthew Henry said it very well when he said it this way, a little bit of a tongue twister. Matthew Henry, he was commenting on this psalm and he said, those only are happy, truly happy, that are holy, truly holy. Goodness and holiness are not only the way to happiness, but happiness in itself. Did you catch that? They're not only the way to happiness, but happiness, happiness in itself. Ted Tripp said it this way, and it's a little bit more short and compact, and I think this one's easier to remember. He said, obedience is its own reward. Obedience is its own reward. I remember when I discovered that little saying and I found it, um, that was when Benny was here with us. You guys remember Benny, okay? Big, tall, Southern guy, right? Okay, strong Southern accent, right? Um, For us Canadians, obviously, right? And uh, I remember when Benny was here and I showed that to Benny and he said, "Mm, that'll preach, brother, that'll preach. And uh, I said, that's a great little line, okay? Obedience is its own reward. Listen, When you're walking in obedience with the Lord, how much joy do you experience in your life? Think about it. Think about those times when you have been closest to the Lord, when it has been your heart's desire to follow and to live out the things that he has commanded. I'm not talking about a sense of duty here. I'm talking about heart's desire. How much joy has there been in those moments? How much peace has there been in those times? How much, yes, Lord, I want to be used for you and your glory. I am fulfilled right now. This is life. Yes. Listen, obedience, obedience to the Lord and what he's commanded, it's its own reward. Why? Because it brings the fruit of God into our lives. Praise the Lord for that. I I pray that we would really get this today, that we wouldn't um, sit here thinking in some way that this is legalistic. This is God's path to abundant blessing for our lives. And listen, this verse right here tells us that the Lord, he wants to bless us with the fullness of all that he is. And he wants to lay it out so clearly for us to tell us how we should walk so that we can receive all of his blessing. But then notice this in verse two. Notice verse two. Verse two. Not only... Do we avoid certain things? Okay, that's necessary, but not only do we avoid certain things, lest we think that godliness equals avoidance ethics, okay? That's only, that's part of it. It's not all of it, okay? You got that? It's not all of it, okay? It's only part of it. Verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Listen, that's a life-giving verse right there, okay? 
Do you want a life verse? You want a verse that you're gonna memorize and commit yourself to? That's a great life verse. So if, if you circle things in your Bible, if you, you know, highlight things, maybe do that with that verse right now. You don't wanna forget that verse. Because verse one just told us that God is gonna bless the person who walks away from wickedness in every single way. And verse two is then telling us that God is going to bless the person that obviously does not delight in wickedness, but delights in the law of the Lord. Here's point number two in our message this morning. Walking in God's abundant blessing requires that I delight continually in his decrees. Walking in God's abundant blessing requires that we delight continually in what God has decreed, in what he has said. Psalm 119, for example, talks all about God's word. It uses God's law and God's decrees and God's precepts and his word all interchangeably. So what are we saying when we're saying this? We're really saying that God is going to bless the person that loves his word above everything else. The person that exalts his word above everything else. So think about it even right now. What are the things that you most delight in in your life right now? You know, I think about my life right now and one of the things that I most delight in, and many of you know this, and it's, it's weird, I get that to some of you, it's foreign, um, but one of the things that I delight in, I, I love to go fishing, um, especially in the middle of winter, not on ice. I love to stand in a stream of freezing cold water and chase these things called steelhead. Um, I just, I don't know why, I love it for some reason, okay? It's weird, I get it, okay? Um, sure, but that's one of the things that I delight in but listen, I've, I've not been steelhead fishing all fall or winter, and I definitely wouldn't be out there today, that's for sure, okay, there, that's for sure, all right? But guess what? Someone's like, do you miss it? You know, I've been busy doing other things, there's been lots going on. I'm like, actually, no, it's really not that big of a deal. It'd be nice if I got to go, but it's not that big of a deal anymore. Whereas a few years ago, I couldn't have said that. And so I'm, I'm very thankful. God's been doing something in my life recently. He's been teaching me, I think, in little ways, I'm not there yet, okay? Totally not there yet, not where I wanna be. But he's teaching me in little ways to find true delight. I, I'm not gonna find it even in the things that I think I will find it in. I'm only gonna find it in him and in, in his presence. That's the only place. And listen, verse two right here is calling us to delight in God's word, to delight in his decrees. Ask yourself that question. Do you delight in the commands that God has given you? God's commanded things of us, okay? Plain and simple, God's commanded us things. And what was it, a few weeks ago, Daryl mentioned that God has given us over a thousand commands in the New Testament, okay? God has said, this is the way that I want you to walk. This is the way that leads to blessing. Do you delight in those things? Are they your joy or are they burdensome? First John tells us that God's commands are not burdensome. If they are burdensome, we need to pray that God would revitalize our hearts and change our whole attitude and cause us to delight in his word, to delight in the things that he has called us to. Listen, so many of us, so many of us go through life continually thirsty, yet not drinking of the pure spiritual water that God has offered us in his word. We walk through life so thirsty saying, I just, I need water. I just, I want water. And somebody just stands there and holds out water to us and says, drink, drink from this and you'll be refreshed. And we're like, no, you don't get it. I'm too thirsty. I'm just thirsty. And we're like, okay, here is water. Drink, drink from the living water of God's word. And you're like, ah, I'm too thirsty. I can't, I'm too thirsty. Listen, church, this is water. 
This right here is water for your soul. If you are thirsty today, God's word is the water that will refresh you. Listen, church, so often, so many of us give ourselves so much to things that aren't gonna bring satisfaction. And I'm not talking about, okay, entertainment, TV, all of that. Sure, that's one thing, okay, we've already mentioned that, but, but even other things, even good things that aren't gonna bring the delight that God's word brings, okay? Think about it for a second. Maybe listening to worship music, maybe listening to sermons. These are good things, these are good things, aren't they, okay? There's nothing wrong with listening to a sermon. If I thought that there was, then I wouldn't be up here today, okay? These are good things. But yet, if these things push God's word out of our life, if Christian books take over our time that we should be spending reading and meditating on God's word, how good are they for us? It's like this. I remember when I was down in Arizona quite a few years ago, we were down in Arizona and uh, we went for a hike up this mountain. It wasn't a real big mountain, okay? But we were, we were going up it and uh, I remember my brother-in-law saying, take lots of water with you. And it was probably like 95 degrees. And you know the whole like, it's, it's a dry hot thing. Some people are like, that's fake. It's kind of real um, because in a dry heat, you don't feel like it's that hot. It was 95. There is no way in Ontario that I would go for a hike when it's 95 degrees. Okay. There's just no way I'd be inside. That'd be it. Um, but we were hiking up this mountain. It was about 95 degrees. And my brother-in-law says, take lots of water with you. And he says, drink lots of water before you go. And I'm like, well, I'm not really thirsty. He's like, well, you won't even notice that you are thirsty. And what you'll find is that you'll get dehydrated. And I'm like, I, I know hot, okay? I'm not from Arizona, but right? A little bit prideful, stupid, okay? Um, I know hot. I'm like, I'll start to sweat. And when I start to sweat, then I'll drink water. And, and, and he's like, no, you need to drink water before you sweat because in Arizona, it's so hot that you don't even sweat most of the time. It's just ev evaporates instantly and you are gonna be dehydrated before you hit the top of that mountain. And so then I listened to him and I was like, okay, he knows what he's talking about. I'll drink some water, all right? Well, that's a lot, like a lot of us, isn't it? We walk through life on this spiritual journey and we don't drink water. We don't maybe feel dehydrated all of the time, but we're walking in a state of spiritual dehydration and we're not drinking from the living water that's the word of God. Listen, church, there's abundant blessing here for you in verse two. That's why I'm spending some time here. Verse two is full of blessing. Look at what it says again. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Listen, the godly person, the person that's walking down the road of abundant blessing is the person who is joyfully feeding on God's word continually day and night. Joyfully feeding on it, joyfully taking it into their life. They take a verse, they take that verse with them. Maybe they find it in the morning and they take it with them throughout the day. They carry it in their heart. Okay, we're talking about hiding God's word in our heart and they turn it over and over and over again to press every bit of spiritual juice out of that verse to nourish their soul. That's what we're talking about here. Look at what it says again. Don't miss this. His delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Listen, we have a duty to be in God's word. Yes, we have a duty to be in God's word as believers. We need to know the word but it needs to be so much more than duty. This morning, I pray that God transforms that duty into delight in your life. Would it become the delight? Would you pray even today? Would you pray? Oh Lord, oh Lord, would you make your word my delight 
God, would you make it my absolute joy to seek your face in your word and not just to read the Bible, but to meet you personally, Lord, to have communion with you, the living God, every time I open up its pages. Oh God, would you do that in my life? Listen, that is a prayer that God promises to answer. You keep praying that prayer. You pray that prayer over a period of time and he'll be doing that in your life. And you will find that like Jeremiah 16, 15 says, that God's words were found to you and you ate them and they became a joy and gladness in your heart. Why? Because you are called by his name. Think about that, church. This morning, the Lord is promising to bless the one who delights in his word continually. Walking, walking in God's abundant blessing requires that we delight in his decrees. What will you delight in this year? But I, there's one, think about that. What will you delight in this year? But there's one other thing I don't want us to miss here. Notice it says the word meditate. He meditates in the word day and night. Let's focus on that word just for a second. That word meditation is uh, kind of a word that's been hijacked by our culture today, right? Okay. Um, Often when our culture thinks of meditation, they think of emptying your mind completely, right? That's what our culture often says. You know, just empty your mind and um, get in tune with what the good stuff that's really inside you. Okay, that's off the wall, okay? That is, that's, not, that's not true. The Bible very clearly teaches that what is inside of us is um, mostly, if not all, sinful, okay? It's sinful. Um, and so we are never told that when we are to meditate, that we are to empty our minds. Instead, when we meditate in the biblical way, we are to fill our minds with the word of God and to continue to think on it and ponder it. The word meditate in the Hebrew, it's a real interesting word. It actually means to, to mutter or to murmur under your breath, but not in the negative sinful way, okay, that we would normally think that. It means to mutter something under your breath, and so it's the thought of you take a verse of scripture and all day you're just kind of speaking that verse under your breath over and over and over and over again. And you know, somebody's like, hey, how are you doing? You're like, I'm doing well. Um, God's word is a light unto my path. It's, it's, it's my lamp, right? And you're just pondering God's word all of the time. You are saying it over and over again. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You're just rehearsing God's word. It's always on your heart, always on your mind, and always on your lips. Well, listen, if we're in that place, we're in a place where God is moving in our lives. We're in a place where God is central. He is on the throne. He is exalted and we are delighting in him. That is a joyful place for us, church. God's word, and I hope that you can say this with all sincerity today. God's word is my greatest joy. If, if you can't say that, Pray, pray this prayer. Pray that it would be your greatest joy. God's word is my greatest joy. I hunger for it constantly. It fills my heart and occupies my thoughts each day. Let's put that up on the screen. God's word is my greatest joy. It's my greatest joy. I hunger for it constantly. It fills my heart and occupies my thoughts each day. Listen, the reason that I stress this point so much is because I believe that if we wanna live a victorious Christian life that overcomes sin in our lives, we need to be in love with something so much greater than anything this world has to offer. Thomas Chalmers, okay, an old, kind of one of the Puritan guys, Thomas Chalmers said this, this is one of my favorite quotes by him. He said, I can think of no way to triumph over sin long-term than by the expulsive power of a new affection. 
If God's word would become the delight of our hearts, if God's word would really become the true delight of our hearts, the joy of our hearts, think of the power, think of the victory that would be there to say no to sin and say yes to Jesus Christ, to say no to walking in the ways of wickedness and to say yes to pursuing everything that he has for us. Listen, church, that is where joy is found. That is where God's fullness is found. Oh, if we would get that in our hearts, if we would experience the expulsive power of a new affection for Jesus Christ, we would see the old things of this life falling off the radar fast. Lord, do that in our lives. Lord, do it in our lives. I can't say enough about meditating on God's word. Studying God's word, yes, but right here in this passage, we are told to meditate on God's word. I love this picture from the Pilgrim's Progress from the Pilgrim's Progress, how many remember that old book, okay? The Pilgrim's Progress, it's a great one. It's a great one to go through every year. Don't let it take you away from your Bible reading though, okay? All right? Um, but, but the Pilgrim's Progress, beautiful, just packed with scripture all over. And at one point, um, Christian and hopeful, are they're stuck in the dungeon of Doubting Castle. And they're being beaten and mistreated by giant despair, okay? That's giant despair that you see in the picture. And both of them are laying down there. And they're, they're there and they're in uh, the castle, doubting castle, and they are despairing of their lives. They're, they're thinking they're not even going to make it out. And all of a the sudden, they're praying one night. They're praying together one night. And all of a sudden, Christian realizes something. He realizes that he has a key, a key that will set him free. And he says this, What a fool I am to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may walk in liberty. I have a key in my breast pocket called promise that will open any lock in Doubting Castle. Listen, church, if you take God's word and you hide it in your heart, you will always have a key in your breast pocket that will open any door in Doubting Castle or in the castle of giant despair. Hide God's word in your heart, meditate on it, love it, rejoice in it, tuck it away, and it will be there on that day when you find yourself struggling. And the Lord will bring that back to memory, and you will see in that moment the blessing that God has promised in this passage of scripture. Let's commit ourselves this year, church, to memorizing God's word, to meditating on God's word, to studying God's word, and to praying that prayer, Lord, lead me, lead me, Lord, to love your word more than I love anything else. Oh God, I hunger, I hunger today for TV, I hunger for food, I hunger for a good steak. Lord, would you lead me today to hunger for you and hunger for your word in that same way even more, Lord. Listen, the Lord will answer that prayer. I pray that we would start praying that as a church here together. The whole psalm really comes down to this verse. If we get verse two, we get the entire psalm. If we learn to delight in God's law, in his word, and meditate on it day and night, then verse three will be our reality. Look at what it says in verse three. He is like a tree. Picture picture a big, strong tree. It's not gonna blow over in the wind. A tree that's not weak, a tree that is not diseased, but a strong tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Isn't that an amazing picture? Imagine that in your mind right now. Imagine a tree that is planted by streams of water. Think about this. Consider what it says here in this verse. Notice three things in this verse. First of all, this tree is planted. It didn't just grow there by chance. It is planted by streams 
Not singular, plural, multiple streams. That's amazing. If one stream fails, another stream brings life. It is planted by streams of living water, and this tree will bear fruit. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. Isn't that amazing? Listen, walking in God's abundant blessing requires that each one of us ponder where God has planted us. We need to ponder where God has planted us. God has planted us in a good place. He's planted each one of us in a very good place. I want you to think for a moment. Think about all the blessings that we have here in North America. The very fact that we are sitting right here today, freely, not worrying about persecution, not worrying about somebody busting through those doors right now, that we are here openly hearing God's word. Hold up your Bibles. You got your Bible with you? Hold your Bible up. If you don't think you're blessed, look at what's in your hand right now. A full copy of God's entire word. Now put up your hand if you have more than one Bible at home. Wow, we are blessed. That's just the beginning of it. God has planted us in this place. Now I'm not saying that there aren't struggles. I'm not minimizing difficulties. I'm not minimizing financial difficulties. I get all of that, okay? But yet at the same time, we are blessed. And we are not only blessed because we live in North America and we can meet here and we have God's word in our hand. Yes, all of those things. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, consider your planting today. Consider where God has planted you. You didn't just wake up one day and decide to believe in Jesus. God planted you in Jesus Christ. Wow, what a blessing. Church, if you believe in Jesus Christ today, you're going to heaven. You're quiet, you're silent. I must not have spoke out loud, okay? Is this on or what? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven. Awesome, awesome. How awesome is that? Wow, okay, I don't know what day it's gonna be, but I know that when this life is over, I will be with the Lord in glory. Wow, that's a pretty awesome place to be planted, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Wow, consider where God has planted you. He has planted you in a place of incredible abundance because he's planted you in Jesus Christ and that leads to glory. That's awesome. Now I want you to also consider where God has planted you today in the season of life that he's put you in today. It's not by accident that you are where you are today and that you're walking through the things that you're walking through today. God is sovereign over all things. God has planted you exactly where he has desired for you to be planted today. And this verse has a ton of application for us. If you're walking through something difficult today, God is right there with you in the midst of it. And look at what he's promising today. The person who turns away from wickedness, the person who delights in his law and meditates on it day and night, that person will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf will not wither. Wow. Isn't that an amazing promise? Consider, consider this year, consider at the beginning of 2018 where God has planted you today. He has planted you in a place where he wants you to bear abundant fruit for him. He wants you to bear abundant fruit for him. He has done all of these things so that you will bear fruit for his glory. Listen, John 15, verse eight, Jesus said this. He said, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Well, what's the application of this for our lives today? What's the application? Think about where God has planted you right now. 
Think about it in the spiritual sense. Think about it in the sense that if you're a believer, you're on your, on your way to glory. You are saved for all of eternity. That's awesome. That should put a smile on your face and a spring in your step. That should give you a new ambition to live for eternity and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that are in your family and friends circle that don't yet know him. Also though, this should cause you to desire and to call out to the Lord to bear fruit exactly where he's planted you. If he has planted you in a hard season right now, if he has planted you in a place right now that is filled with difficulty, that is filled with physical sickness, that is filled with strife, that is filled with broken relationships. Listen, the Lord is with you in that. He wants to help you bear fruit in that situation. You need to call out to him. That fruit probably won't look anything like what you hope it will, but he will help you in that situation to bear fruit for his glory and to magnify his name. Listen, the Lord wants us to bear fruit right where he's planted us. Listen, stop wishing that he'd planted you somewhere else and start praying that he would cause you to bear fruit right where you are this year. Stop wishing that you were living someone else's life and start praying that God would cause you to bear fruit right where he has you today. Listen, those who know the Lord delight in his word and those who delight in his word bear fruit. This is God's word. It's a promise right here. The fruit comes. Notice what it says. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. What a prayer to pray at the beginning of 2018. Lord, would you lead me in a new season of fruitfulness for your glory? Oh, Lord, would you do that in my life? Lord, lead me in it. And then notice what it says. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Listen, if you want to walk in God's abundant blessing... You need to be planted in him and on him. You need to delight in his word. Notice that at the end it says that in all that he does, he prospers. I want to tell you what that's not saying. That's not referring to he's just going to bring you a ton of finances and, you know, he's just guaranteed going to take away any sickness that is in you. That's not what it's saying. That's that's ripping the verse out of its context. The verse in its context means that the person who is planted in the Lord, who is delighting in the Lord, receives the joy and the fullness and the abundance of the Lord, and then ultimately it's pointing us forward to that day in glory when we meet Jesus Christ face to face, okay? The rest of the book of Psalms makes that clear as we go through it. Oh, Lord, would you bring that day? Would that day come soon, Lord? But then notice this. Notice the other side. Those who are planted, that are planted in the Lord will bear fruit, but what about those who are not planted in the Lord? What about those who have refused the Lord and turned away from him? Notice verse four. What happens to them? Verse four. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Here's the last thing. Here's the fourth thing that we need to see from this passage. Walking in God's abundant blessing requires that I consider the consequences. Walking in God's abundant blessing considers that I, ca- that I consider the consequences, okay? That goes for all of us, okay? That, that means negative consequences and positive consequences, Remember, when this message started, we talked about two roads. And again, at the end of the message right now, we're talking about two roads. You stand at a crossroad today. Which road will you walk down in 2018? 
Will you walk down the well-worn road, the road that looks clear, the road that looks like, hey, everybody else is going this way. It's a four-lane highway. I'm going to go down that one. Or will you take the narrow way? Will you walk in the way less traveled today, the way that Jesus Christ Our Lord has walked himself. It's a road that is marked with difficulty. It's a road that's marked with suffering. But listen, at the end of that road is abundant blessing and glory for all of eternity. And so as you stand at this intersection today, consider, consider the consequences. Consider which road you take. It will make an eternal difference in your life. But also consider the negative consequence, but also consider the positive consequence. We don't use the word that way. Um, that often, maybe, maybe result would be a better word. We see the negative right here in verse four. We see in verse four that those, the wicked, that they are not so, they will not prosper. They may prosper in this lifetime, but they will not prosper for eternity. The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff, the picture here is really pretty simple. It's like the outer, the husks of a grain of wheat. It's like the stalk of a grain of wheat when they would take it to the threshing floor and they would thresh it out. They would do this in a windy place so that the grain would fall through the cracks of the threshing floor to be harvested and the wind would just push all of the excess, the useless things away so that they would just be left with the grain and the wind would blow it away. Listen, we can say this with the authority of God's word. Those who oppose God and shun his grace will not have a leg to stand on in judgment. But the Lord's favor, but the Lord's favor rests upon his children. Let's put that up on the screen. Those who oppose God and shun his grace will not have a leg to stand on in judgment. But the Lord's favor is upon his children. We see that right here in the passage, don't we? It talks about the judgment. To be sure there is a day of judgment coming for all people. Nobody can opt out of it. Nobody can say, I don't want to go to that. I don't want to participate in that, so I'm just not going to go. Okay, it's God's day of judgment, and everyone will be there. You can't skip it. You can't have someone else go for you. We will all stand in that place one day. And notice what happens to those who reject God and turn away from him. Those who reject God, who oppose him and shun his grace, they won't have a leg to stand on. They will have no defense left before them. We see that right here in the verse. Look down at it once more. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, verse five, nor in the congregation of the righteous. The only way, the only way that any of us will stand in judgment is through the grace of Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. Jesus Christ, God himself come down in human flesh lived a perfect life, gave that perfect life on a cross in our place. And through faith in him, he will stand in our place on that day. How awesome is that? How amazing is that? That is what makes us righteous. Our righteousness is not found in the fact that we turn away from wickedness in and of our own strength. Our righteousness is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. But listen, church, if you love Jesus Christ this morning, it will become your heart's desire to walk away from wickedness, to delight in him, to delight in his word, and to be like a tree that is planted by streams of water that bears fruit for his glory. I want you to notice something else in this verse. I want you to notice the positive result that's also tucked in these verses right here. And we see it right here in verse six. 
The Lord knows the way of the righteous. We could easily skim over that, couldn't we? We could easily miss that. Let's not miss that this morning. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ, you are known by God. He knows your way. More than just knows, you're like, God knows everything. Yeah, of course God knows everything. Okay, he knows the way of all people in one sense, but that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that God knows your way and that God approves of your way, that God loves your way because you love his way. Isn't that awesome? That God's favor rests upon you as his child because he loves you and you love him. How amazing is that? John Piper says it this way. He says, deeper than knowing God is being known by God. What defines us as Christians is not most profoundly that we have come to know him, but that he took note of us and made us his own. Wow. Consider that this morning. If you're a believer in Christ, you are known personally and intimately by the living God. He knows you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He holds you in his hand. Think about it. Have you heard the Lord whisper in the darkest times of your life, I love you, I've got you, I'm holding on to you, I know your way, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, I know that you can't see the light at the end right now, but I've got you, I will lead you through this. I know the way, I will lead you in it. Wow, what a blessing. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous, he knows us, listen, This passage is full of blessing because this this entire passage points us to glory, doesn't it? It points us to the day when we will experience the fullness of God's abundant blessing in heaven with Jesus Christ in glory. I long for that day. He is leading us there. He is faithful to get us there. Let's pray that he would lead us every step of the way, that we would delight in him as we go. Revelation 22, verse 14, it says this, blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to eat of the tree of life and that they may enter into the city gates. Blessed, blessed are those. Blessed are those who are washed through Jesus Christ will have the right to eat of the tree of life. But also look at the negative consequence once more because it's right here at the end of verse six. But the way of the wicked will perish. But the way of the wicked will perish. It brings me no joy to say this. But if you live for this world, if you live for everything apart from God, if you desire to find everything that you can have in this world, and if you follow after the counsel of the wicked and you walk in those ways and you don't, if you don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ, this right here is saying that that way will perish. And that's not speaking just physically about physical death. That's speaking about eternal death. That's speaking about eternal judgment. There's a day appointed for each one of us where we will stand before the Lord in judgment as we've already said. And notice what it says right here. If Jesus Christ is not your advocate, if you have not surrendered yourself to him, notice what it says right here. But the way of the wicked will perish. Listen, in one sense, each one of us is wicked. But in Jesus Christ, we are washed and redeemed. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, It is he who stands in your place. It is his righteousness that is accounted as your righteousness today. It has been imputed to you. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, this verse, God, God himself is telling you that that way will perish. 
Listen, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, respond to the Lord today. Even in your seat, ponder in your own heart. It needs to be a genuine response. You need to call out to him. You need to recognize that apart from him, you will perish for all of eternity. There is not enough good things that you could ever possibly do to save yourself. It doesn't work that way. You need a perfect advocate. You need a perfect redeemer. You need a savior to save you from your sins, and so do I. And that savior is Jesus Christ alone. And you need to receive him today. Church, each one of us needs to respond to Jesus Christ. It's not enough to simply know that what the Bible says. We must respond to him. We must cry out to him for him to be our savior. And so respond this morning. And if you're here this morning and if you love Jesus Christ, there's a great word of encouragement here for you, isn't there? Delight in him. Enjoy him. Delight in his word. Eat it up. Share it with others. And walk in his abundant blessing, knowing that that road leads you to glory. And that day is coming. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you at the beginning of this new year, and Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would guide our way. Oh, Lord, would you lead us? Lord, don't allow us to walk in the way of wickedness, Lord, but Lord, lead us by the hand. Lord, take hold of us. Help us, God, to delight in you with all of our heart, Lord. Lord, help us to seek your face in your word every morning and every evening. Oh, Lord, write your word on the tablets of our hearts, Lord. Oh, Lord, come and do that this year, Lord. Lord, plant us deep this year. Lord, help us to bear fruit, whether we are in seasons that are good or seasons that are hard, Lord. Help us to bear fruit exactly where you have planted us, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray right now for any in this room, Lord, um, any who do not know Jesus Christ, who are still in their sins, oh, Lord, lead them. Lead them this morning by the hand to repent, to confess their sins, to respond to you in faith, Lord. And Lord, to walk out into the light of life. Oh Lord, only you can do that. And so Lord, we call out to you. Oh Lord, lead us this year. Lord, we love you. Lord, lead us to love you more, we pray in your name. Amen.